Solana is releasing a mobile phone, Sandbox might be acquired by Meta, and is Bitcoin really dead? That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's episode, we will start by looking at Bitcoin and we'll discuss Ethereum, some interesting developments there. But then we'll also have a look at Uniswap and make the comparison between Uniswap, Ethereum and Bitcoin when it comes to fees that are being generated. At the end, we will have a look at Solana and we'll also discuss Sandbox as well. Before we get started, though, some general news that I think will affect the general market as well. You can see it here. Harmony plunges 10% after Horizon Ethereum bridge hacked for 100 million US dollars. Yes, you read it right. Another DeFi hack has happened, this time on the Harmony blockchain, specifically targeted for the Ethereum Harmony bridge. A bridge is usually a way to get from one blockchain to the other. And this Harmony Horizon uh, bridge has just been hacked for 100 million US dollars. Some different assets have been stolen. So wrapped Ethereum, Aave tokens, Sushi tokens, DAI, Tether, USDC, as well as others have been hacked and swapped for Ethereum in the meantime. Now it's important to know that the bridge to Bitcoin was actually not affected. So native Bitcoin was not affected in this case. And we'll have a look at another bridge when it comes to another blockchain at the end of this episode as well. So keep this in mind when using these bridges and participating in the DeFi world. It's always you have to trust these bridges for them to work properly. And if they don't work properly and if they have security or if you have security concerns, you uh, have to be careful with your assets when it comes to using different bridges. Now let's jump with this provocative uh, image saying Bitcoin is dead. We're of course looking at a screenshot from Google Trends and we can see here that the spike here has happened just before and you can see here at kind of the middle of 2017 some interesting stuff has happened there as well as well as the end of 2018. So as soon as Bitcoin drops like in a major way these trends usually go up. We can compare this also with another analytics tool called Sentiment and we can see here as well a huge spike when it comes to the keywords Bitcoin is dead. Now is Bitcoin really dead? We can discuss this with different articles. We have here for example a Forbes article saying is Bitcoin dead? Here is what the fundamentals are showing. Now the article is looking at different topics one of which is for example the Bitcoin hash rate. We can see here according to digital assets company blockchain.com the Bitcoin hash rate has been in a bullish trend and it reached an all-time high on June 12, 2022. So around 15 days ago, around two weeks ago, we just had the highest Bitcoin hash rate ever. That means that the competition is fairly high still on the Bitcoin network. And of course, the Forbes article is looking at different aspects such as Bitcoin supply, which is of course limited to 21 million, but realistically more like 19 million. Then they're also discussing the Bitcoin Lightning Network, 
which is setting up records um, as we speak as well. And then the digital asset regulation. I think this is a very big topic. With all the hacks happening around the crypto sphere, we can estimate that crypto regulation will come. Digital asset regulation is a very, very important topic that will uh, follow us in the coming, I want to say up to 18 months because we will need clarity on regulation we will need kind of protection against the end consumer as well and that i think will bring major regulation with the topic now if we look at another article electricity used to mine bitcoin plummets as crypto crisis widens and the guardian is saying here that the electricity consumption of the bitcoin network has fallen by a third from its high of 11th june down to an analyzed 131 terawatt hours a year now whether uh, this is a little or less you can see with this essential number that says that still equates to the annual consumption of Argentina so it's still fairly high with 131 terawatt hours a year and the interesting part here is that the electricity consumption yes it has gone down but that's mainly because electricity prices has gone up as well so it has become also unprofitable to some miners that have been late to the game so if the Bitcoin price is sits at around 68,000 US dollars is of course much much more profitable if you already have devices running and so on and you can generate some money to actually cover your costs. Now if you enter at a different stage of the cycle you will have to pay much more for the equipment now much more for the electricity as well and then it becomes actually unprofitable quite quickly and it looks like the miners are also selling some of their stash so the idea is that the bitcoin miners are using the miners to generate bitcoin and of course in order to kind of solve their cost uh, issues they have to sell the bitcoins for fiat currency because unless they can pay their electricity bills and their devices in bitcoin they will have to sell bitcoin on the open market and it looks like or at least kind of these are the graphs that are showing that the uh, miners are actually actively selling their bitcoin for now if we look at the chart here we can see although we can see a lot of negative headlines when it comes around bitcoin we can see that the second uh, kind of weekly close here was in the green so at least something positive it looks like potentially the death valley might be or at least kind of this kind of very strong correction towards the downside was finished for now now does that mean we're completely in the clear yet i don't believe so but a weekly close kind of above the last um, is essentially more of a bullish sign so in my opinion this looks like at least for now a bit more bullish than we have expected now should the weekly close below i want to say around 18,000 us dollars then we might have an issue but for now we're in the clear when it comes to bitcoin now, next up, we talk, of course, about Ethereum as well. The article is saying here, how low can Ethereum prices drop versus Bitcoin amid the DeFi contagion? Now, of course, they're referring to this idea that in the Ethereum world, a lot of different ecosystems are connected. On one side, you have decentralized finance. On the other side, you have NFTs. And the idea here that, for example, the TVL wipeout has been quite significant. A couple of months ago, we were looking at close to 160 up to um, 170 billion US dollars when it comes to TVL so total value locked in the 
Ethereum blockchain DeFi world. Now we're looking at around uh, 48 billion US dollars TVL. And that, of course, is quite significant if you're considering that the DeFi world was a very big part of the Ethereum use case. Now, at the same time, the NFT world is still increasing. So that at least is going well. But the article is arguing that while the entire cryptocurrency market is struggling, Ethereum is struggling actually more. So we can see here, for example, the report from CoinShares is showing us that the weekly outflows out of the asset here is very strong for Ethereum, month-to-date negative, year-to-date negative, while at the same time, for example, Bitcoin has had still some inflows. And that is an important part because that essentially means people are moving away into Bitcoin, moving away from Ethereum into Bitcoin in order to be more in a safe haven. Is that um, justified or not? I think we will see in the coming months. For now, it looks like Ethereum's trend is generally going down, especially when it comes to institutional interest. I still believe Ethereum in the DeFi NFT world is still one of the strongest contenders. So I wouldn't count them out completely, but I do believe that the entire merge situation will be quite an important part when it comes to Ethereum. Now, talking about positive news, we can see here that uh, Ethereum or actually the Norwegian government has announced that they're using Arbitrum, which is a level uh, layer two uh, scaling solution on Ethereum to release a cap tables platform for unlisted companies. We're very excited to see that Arbitrum is enabling the world to leverage the security of Ethereum. And yes, the Norwegian government is using the public Ethereum blockchain. I think this is pretty big news, especially considering that usually governments, institutions or even uh, private companies are always trying to spin off their own private blockchain without using kind of the the, the major security of other blockchains such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. So big, big news here. And for those people who don't know what a cap table is, this is essentially a cap table. It looks like this essentially means uh, it's a startup company, for example, or a company that has been valued at a specific amount that you call this a pre-money valuation, post-money valuation, depending on the equity that you're raising. And here on the cap table, you can essentially see the company ownership. So kind of um, who or what investor is owning how much money from that specific investment round. So these cap tables are usually uh, very private, especially when it comes to startup companies. It looks like the Norwegian government does want to make that at least somewhat public using Ethereum. We're staying within Ethereum, important updates, especially for the developers, but also for the merge news that are coming up. Robston, Rinkeby and Kiln are being deprecated. Essentially means the test nets that are currently running on Ethereum are being deprecated, are not being used by a specific date. This is especially relevant for the developers, as I said, but also very relevant when it comes to kind of new versions on Ethereum. So when you're looking at, for example, the merge as a trade, you would look at how the different test networks are running. If the Robston or the Rinkeby test net is uh, running in a very bad way or having a lot of 
box with the specific merge, then you would expect a delay and you would expect also a price decrease when it comes to the Ethereum price. So you have to keep track of these test networks and of the developments that are running currently. Looks like the different uh, test nets are being test nets are being shut down. So Robson at Q4 2022, so already this year, we have Rinkeby in Q2 Q3 2023 and then we have the kiln after the mainnet merge. So this is still kind of to be expected to come in the coming months. Going forward, we will see Gurley and Sepolia as the top uh, test nets that are being supported. And you can see here Gurley kind of what uh, specific uh, features or, or requirement it has and Sepolia as well. Quite interesting. And I think for the merge trade, very important to follow. And if we look at the chart here, doesn't look as bad as people make it up to be. We will compare it in a short uh, period to something else where it might uh, play a big role. But here in this case, we can see that for us, the important zone is still around 1,400. Or maybe even if you go down a bit lower, you can say at around 1,288 might be an important number to at least build some kind of support on in order to jump higher. For now, still not in the clear, especially also when you look at the Bitcoin price similarly. So we're still not completely in the clear yet. I think we need to reclaim specific areas in order to go back to all-time highs. Now, an important part here is Uniswap. Now, on one side, Uniswap has bought an NFT platform called Genie. Now, this comes as a surprise because Uniswap has not been very active in the NFT space for around two or three years. They have actually released a physical product with an NFT called Uni Socks. And these socks, literally physical socks, you were able to buy and they traded with an NFT on Uniswap as well. But now they bought this um, platform called Genie. Now Genie is a possibility or allows you to sell or buy NFTs in one go from multiple platforms. So you don't have to go through the different platforms to list your NFT, for example. Now, one very interesting uh, kind of stat that we're seeing is this one here. We're looking at the different blockchains here. We're looking at the one day fees and seven day average fees. Now, you, of course, you can see here Ethereum is still generating one day fee numbers the highest. For example, compared to Bitcoin, it's about 10 times more than Bitcoin. And the interesting part now is the seven day average fees, which at Ethereum look at like 4.5 million US dollars. But on Uniswap, it's actually 4.8 us million us dollars so that essentially means uniswap is generating more via its platform in fees versus the actual blockchain it's running on how is that possible one way is of course that the uniswap um, decentralized exchange is being used quite a lot that's uh, definitely an important factor but the other important factor is the fact that uniswap is also built on different chains so they are of course using different chains um, such as arbitrum for example and other kind of scaling solutions in order to do transactions so that counts into kind of the main part here as well so quite interesting and possibly an interesting trade here as well 
And you can see here also Uniswap here, the four hour chart, quite the recovery that we can see here, kind of almost head and shoulders movement here, and then here recovering up to 5.87 US dollars. Important zone here, definitely we can see here as well that this zone has to hold more or less in order for us to reach higher highs at around 7 US dollars. Moving on, let's talk about Sandbox. Quite interesting week for Sandbox because there have been some rumors that Sandbox, the metaverse platform, might be acquired by Meta. Now, this was uh, started by Mazari here at uh, in, in on Twitter, and you can see here would Meta purchasing a virtual world like Sandbox game make you bullish? Now, is it a rumor? Do they have any information? The interesting part was the co-founder and the CEO of Sandbox, Sebastian Borge, has answered this will never happen. And this, of course, sparked an important discussion because on one side, you've had a lot of rumors saying that Sandbox might be acquired by Meta just a couple of months ago. So even in January, in February, people were talking about this potential uh, acquisition. But on the other side, you also have Meta, Microsoft and other platforms gearing up for this Metaverse Standards Forum. So they technically won't need a platform such as Sandbox because they will participate in this standards world can roll out their own world and build essentially on top of these standards. Now, what is this Metaverse Standards Forum? The idea is that you are building or that all these different companies are building on top of this idea that the Metaverse has to look and feel and behave like X. And this X is being defined by this forum so that we don't have at the end maybe 50 or 100 different metaverses that you have to zap in and out of. Ideally, you would have a standard that ideally Sandbox would adhere to as well. Nonetheless, people are quite bullish when it comes to Sandbox. The run here from uh, 18th June is essentially in a major way, kind of this, this major jump has been the potential acquisition rumor by Meta. But again, the co-founder has said it, it will never happen. So, I mean, I would say never say never, but at the same time, you have to be careful with these rumors that these rumors can play down quite quickly as well. We've experienced this a lot in the crypto space. As soon as the rumor is out, the, the course goes and goes and the chart goes through the roof. But that as soon as it there is an official announcement by a company saying that, no, we're not interested, we're not doing the acquisition, it just retraces completely back to its beginning. So very big chance that in the case that this acquisition does not happen and people are kind of disappointed that we'll see a correction down here again. Now, the most interesting news story of the week, in my opinion, is essentially this headline here. Solana Labs is building a Web3 mobile phone. Yes, you've heard it right. Solana Labs, the creators behind the Solana network, are planning to enter the mobile space. Now, for some people, this might come surprising, but for others, it was to be expected. Why? The CEO of Solana Labs, Anatoly Lyakovenko, was actually a Qualcomm engineer before starting Solana. Solana Lab. So it doesn't come as a big surprise to a lot of people. Essentially, he was always or he had his heart always in the mobile space. On the other side, also Sam Bankman-Fried, they had an interview together 
essentially said that the most important part of Web3 are the applications. And let's be honest here, the applications in the crypto space from a UX perspective, so a user experience perspective, they still suck. It essentially means you would have to ramp up the UX on a lot of different applications to make this really um, usable for the masses. So this is the approach that Solana Labs is taking. They will start by releasing a mobile phone with Ozum. So Ozum is the producer of the mobile phone. It will be a very specific Solana phone. It will come out at the beginning of 2023 and it will cost around a thousand US dollars. You can already make a deposit to buy the Solana phone and it will have besides crypto wallet functions they will have something called the Solana mobile stack so a software development kit for web3 programs quite interesting especially considering all these kind of efforts of Solana pay and and all these different possibilities to integrate web3 into the mobile sphere I'm kind of bullish on, on this idea, but at the same time, you have to keep in mind, Solana has had a lot of technical issues in the last couple of months. Don't forget about that because this could essentially mean that the foundation they're building upon is a bit, um, yeah, not really strong. So you have to be careful with this whole hype train there when it comes to Solana. But in my opinion, the idea to make it more usable, the idea to improve UX and the idea to bring it mobile, I think this is a very big idea that a lot of crypto companies will follow as well. What did it do for the Solana course? For the Solana price, we can see here very clearly the market has reacted quite bullish. This is, of course, the weekly chart. We can also move here to the four-hour chart as well. And we can see here, generally, again, quite a strong recovery. But at the same time, for me, this zone is still my kind of danger zone, around 21 US dollars. And you remember, the Solent problem hasn't gone away completely. The whale actually paid back part of his credit as well. So it looks like it might have been at least temporarily solved but for now i want to see more technical stability on solana before getting into that trade moving on we can talk about avalanche avalanche bridge adds native bitcoin support and you remember we talked about in the beginning about the harmony bridge essentially being hacked for 100 million us dollars and you remember what i said you have to trust the bridge or the bridge developers in order to transact on these bridges. Now, looks like the Avalanche announcement from a couple of months ago has been realized. Very cool that you can now move from Bitcoin natively to Avalanche using this bridge here. A blog post essentially explaining how it works, etc. And what is really, really interesting is that the DeFi world is actually still live on Avalanche. You can get between 23 and 62% yield on your Avalanche on one platform and on the other platform called Trader Joe, you can get yield of 17.5%. That is a whole lot, especially considering that we're technically in a recession and that the prices are going still down. Could be quite interesting to um, use this product, but at the same time, a lot of risk in the DeFi space right now. What has it done for the Avalanche chart? 
price chart we can have a look at here I draw a Fibonacci sequence and for me the really interesting zone seems to be at around 38.6 US dollars I would want this to be reclaimed before turning bullish on avalanche and kind of downside targets still at around 10 US dollars this seems to be a very strong bottom I must say hasn't been touched yet so same very similarly as the chart on Solana. That was it from the crypto market talk this week. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube for the crypto market talk. Do not miss any news. I will see you on the next one.